toddler and ask, would it be okay to kill a toddler in that situation? And then say, okay, so it's not so much the situation that justifies the killing of a person, it's that you think somehow the unborn is... But what I just said is not really it. It's similar to that. But, yeah, basically. But... Yeah, that was like an off-brand <laughs> TOTT. And we can leave <laughs> we can leave that as a cliffhanger, right? <laughs> so that we'll come we'll come back to that in the yeah, future because I think um, we're rusty. Yeah, we're a little rusty. One, and this this podcast brought to you by Pro Life Encounters. We're out of practice, <laughs> but we're still great. <laughs> so I've been wanting to. Um, it, it's it's weird because uh, Thanos and the in, Infinity. Um, crisis or not the crisis on infinite worlds but the um, infinity stones um, it's interesting I I hadn't really made the connection until we started talking but I just happened to be reading um, blackest night um, Cody have you heard of that before it's mm. the it's basically green it's a it's a story arc a plot arc in the Green Lantern series uh, no I haven't I'm not big into DC you know i wasn't either <laughs> and then i read this <laughs> and i was uh, uh i just actually finished the first volume today and it's very good um but basically it's the same sort of thing just as thanos is the big bad um for that marvel universe and it brings um you know the avengers together mm-hmm. uh same with the justice league this those is a little peripheral to the justice league but this brings all um, the bad guy in here, which is basically um, all the Green Lanterns. Uh, well, the Green Lanterns are the green section of the light spectrum, right? And recently in Green Lantern, they've been doing the whole spectrum of light. So you've got, you know, Roy G. Biv, mm-hmm. right? Red, orange, yellow. You've got your green, and then even indigo and violet. So what happens here is it... it uh, it's kind of cosmological because you've got now a black uh, lantern, hmm. uh, which is just darkness and death, right? Thanos, right, um, right. and you know, there's the whole death connection there. But in the end, what uh, conquers the death? Spoiler alert: um, is all the light combines into white light, and even have a white lantern. But um, it's there some really cool lines about after the whole let there be light thing um about life um you find out that the big bad's kind of been resurrecting people uh and that resurrection um it wasn't just them being manipulated back into life that they chose life Mm. and there's actually a line um green lantern says it we all chose life when given the chance. It's like basically the climax of Blackest Night is we all chose life when given the chance. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, dang. <laughs> that That's seems awesome. like a pro-life statement. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's so many like, Call me crazy. pro-life statements like throughout a lot of the Marvel comics, movies, anything like that. You know, there, there's so many different things that you can see different movies and tv shows and comics that that if taken kind of like uh just as a phrase by itself on face value it's like holy cow like that is crazy i remember a little little off topic but i remember when superman movie came out 
Uh, I forget which one exactly the, it was. Superman Returns. We're not talking about my 1985, 83. No, we're Superman talking about the more, the more modern one with uh, Henry Cavill. <laughs> not uh, Christopher um, Reeves. Um, That's but dashed, in though. the scene, but I mean, Superman, he never kills anyone, right? Like his whole thing is like, you know, don't right. kill. But in this movie, so he, he kills Zod. Mm. And I remember everyone was so shocked about that because, like, Superman doesn't kill oh, people. Like, that. what? That's interesting. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. I don't know. Oh, spoiler no, no, no. Sorry. I knew he, I knew he <laughs> but, killed Zod. I didn't know just, that was. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was part of his yeah, no, persona that he doesn't kill. Right. It's kind of like Batman with no guns, right? Exactly, like, every superhero yeah. has Batman. his principle, but Superman does not kill. And so, like, in that, that scene where he, like, you know, he ends Zod, like, that. I remember being shocked. I'm like, whoa, like, why did they do that? Um, that's not Superman, you know? Like, it was completely contradictory to, again, like you said, that pro-life message that are kind of inherent in most superheroes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then even, like, uh, Doctor Who. Uh, I, I was reading this. This Mary shared this uh, meme list of pictures of, uh, basically, uh, na- uh, quote a movie that basically sums up pro-life. This was not mine. Like, I shared yeah, it. Cool. It was... Yeah. Uh, and and one of them was from oh, yeah, Doctor Who, that. and it's and the doctor says nine hundred years of time and space, and I've never met anyone who wasn't important. There were a lot of great mm. quotes. Yeah, there's from there's movies. a lot of great quotes from movies, but there were there were like tons from Doctor Who, which yeah, is very interesting. Um, which is extraordinary coming from England, right? right? <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah, <laughs> it's like kind of shows how like I don't know. I feel like deep down people like i'm almost hesitant to say this because i was just talking to another friend today about how part of what's been so discouraging about the new york thing is that for so long so many pro-choice people that i'm like facebook friends with it's like oh you know stop being so like like obviously we're not talking about killing like fully formed babies we're just talking about those early stages where it's just a cell or a few cells not second third trimester you know don't be so upset you know And now it's like kind of the truth comes out that like the loyalty mm-hmm. to being pro-choice runs deeper than mm-hmm. than the horror that should be felt. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but that at the same time, the fact that there are so many pro-life quotes in a lot of these movies kind of betrays the fact that deep down we know that life is a good to be preserved and and that we need to work for quality of life, too. But that it's not like, oh, no quality of life. Well, you're done, you know. But but rather, like, we're going to defend your life and protect it. Or at least that I think people realize that about their own life, <laughs> in a sense. And it's and, and hopefully that carries over to other people's. It should carry over to other people's lives, you know, to realize yeah. that, too. I'll say, and too, like, one of the things this is doing is, you know, unfortunately, as we get closer and closer to that line, it's making more people have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have y'all seen the movie Gosnell? No. I haven't. I, I did... Uh, Help fund it on Kickstarter though, way back Woo! in the day. Awesome, high five! But we had a showing. <laughs> we, had a, we had a showing here at UL, like as they were doing the, a lot of the production. Um, and the lady that helped to develop it and wrote the book, she is not religious. She is not um, anyone who was actually for a pro-life cause. She was a journalist who was researching the Gosnell story, and just in her research from the story, her life was changed. And so the message that they've done with the movie and what, you know, she does is really challenges people to actually have the conversation. Mm -hmm. 
And when you actually challenge them to have a conversation about it and make them try to solidify or explain what they actually believe, very few people actually oh, can. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and so she, and she even told this. She even told the story. Sorry to cut you off. She even told the story when they oh, were doing the, the audible version for their book. The person who was doing the directing for her while she was reading, she found her outside crying. Wow. Because she had never heard those things yeah. before, right? So, you know, she's like, oh, she said when she went in, she's like, oh, you have a really great book. You know, I really enjoyed it. And she's like, yeah, I bet you read it. <laughs> and she said as she was reading it for the Audible, you know, production, she said she found the girl that was doing the directing for her her reading, like, outside crying because she had never been challenged with that before. And that reminds me of Unplanned. Uh, the Abby Johnson movie is um, it's going to come out or yeah. post-production. Um, and the actress who portrays Abby Johnson... I mean, I don't think the movie um, resulted in her changing her mind on abortion, but I think she had something earlier in her life, um, not like, not unlike Abby Johnson. I think, but isn't yeah, there, isn't there I, something oh yeah, about that once she was in the movie? If I'm wrong about this, people can call me out on it. But I thought it was that once she took the role and started doing it, her mother expressed to her that she was almost aborted. Oh, I think I you're think. exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was that was pretty awesome that that movie would serve as a vehicle for that right. sort of mm-hmm. that conversation. conversation. It's but it, it, what Mary oh, Go ahead. What Mary had said um and I think what Colby had said is it as as Catholics, as pro-lifers, as people that aren't formed in a philosophical tradition, it is it kills us that there can exist this fundamental contradiction in the truth that they can have these pro-life messages everywhere but then they can still um support partial birth abortion Mm -hmm. that that huge massive contradiction but to a postmodernist, which is we're seeing the expression of that um and and these sorts of new york statutes right a postmodernist truth doesn't have to be without contradictions it, truth is not they're not pursuing truth and contradictions are just fine so long as you are you know uh, uh, fighting the the power structure or wh- right. whatever it is right or like that that everyone should live their own truth and that all truths are equal yeah. but the consequence of mm-hmm. that is that all people are not you know like that the mm. the founder of feminist for life um, had this quote um that uh if all choices are equal no no i'm sorry if all people are equal all choices are not you know wow um so just what you were saying about the truth thing that that there is no absolute truth now it's all living your truth which Mm -hmm. isn't truth at all it's a (laughs) odd use of the word um and that we should respect the truth of each person over and above the actual value and rights of that person to go on living right which the problem with that, I mean, and this is coming from, uh, I guess, somewhere around 800, 900 conversations on college campuses with different different students uh, talking about uh, abortion uh, and, and kind of life in general, the value of life and philosophy. Uh, uh, basically, like this relativistic mindset that, you know, th- that whatever's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me problem with that is that most people don't know what is true for them 
like they don't quite mm-hmm. understand it yet like or they, it's ever changing it's, it's ever it's... like yeah it's ever changing it's it's always changing like i, I had a, a conversation with one guy <laughs> oh my gosh this is ridiculous right yeah. so he said uh he he, he turned he said things can exist and not exist at the same time and i said dude please explain, schrodinger's cat explain that to me <laughs> and he, he explained schrodinger's cat and i said no because either the cat is dead or alive it doesn't matter if we know that it's dead or alive. The cat is either dead or alive. Our perception does not change the fact that it is either, is either dead or it is alive. We so Schrodinger was an idiot. Right. So, yeah. And then, and then he turned and he pointed at the building and he said, see that building right there? I said, um, yes. He said, that building exists. But if it were that all of a sudden it were to blow up and crumble down into pieces, it would no longer exist. I said, exactly. It would no longer <laughs> exist. It doesn't exist <laughs> Which, and not exist at the same time. Like it is just incredible. That and did y'all see that video? Uh, it's James Franco, yes. the, the actor, and his 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 buddy, and they're like interviewing. Uh, his buddy's a philosopher, I think, and they're interviewing other philosophers. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a. There's a lady that they're interviewing. Now, wait, time out. When you say um, he's a philosopher, like everybody in that mom is a philosopher. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Uh, yeah, let me preface it. Olaf is a love expert. Olaf is a love expert. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, um, I, I want to say that their, uh, their profession, <laughs> such as it is, they teach philosophy. Ah, okay. Those guys. Those guys. Oh. Some of our favorite oh, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, there's plenty of good ones yeah, out there. there um, but so this philosopher, um, or you know, this uh, professor at a at a um, one of the West Coast schools was saying that um, whether or not abortion is okay depends on whether or not the baby's wanted mm-hmm. right and if the baby survives ergo she's wanted <laughs> and so <laughs> james Fra- franco's like wait a second that isn't that circular mm-hmm. and she's like well i understand how you might be thinking that <laughs> i can see how you would fall into that flawed way of thinking yeah so um let's see i have a a summary of this talk here of the the circularity but i mean but isn't it sad that the world has come to this idea of a person's values dependent on upon whether or not they are wanted Mm -hmm. yeah their existence existence is contingent on the perception of another person Mm -hmm. like i was thinking about it and i was like so by that standard let's say there's there's a woman who's who's i don't know alone in the world maybe living on the street and has no one in her life so she's not valued by seemingly by anyone and she's raped mm-hmm. by a man and, and has no econ has no economic right, value right right and she's raped by a man who has a loving family and friends and all this all these people so by this standard that we've set up he is valuable way more valuable than she is as opposed to that they actually have equal intrinsic value and that she's being treated in a way that's not in keeping with that value and he's acting in a way that's not in keeping with that value you know 
Like it's just bananas. <laughs> it's completely bananas. Yeah. The logic. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. Okay, so <laughs> this the summary that I have from the James Franco. Uh, this is how you can encapsulize it. It's not a baby because I don't want it, but that's okay because me not wanting the baby unbabyfies the baby and makes it okay not to want an unbabyfied baby. You see, there's no circularity to that logic at all. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> Bananas. I just fe- feature like a a murderer from like a classic horror movie, like standing over their victim before they kill them and be like, but you understand the fact that I'm killing you like renders you not valuable and therefore it's okay that I'm killing you. So are we good? Like we're, we're on the same page here. We understand one another. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so fun. But to get, to get back on a serious note, how about that? <laughs> so um, one of the one of the most popular songs back in the seventies, I don't know if you remember, but Cheap Trick. It's like I want you to want me. Where we talk about you know want you, you to want, want me. me, right? Like it's this you know this thing of like wanting, like yeah. we want other people to want us. I like, need you to need me. I need you to need me, right? So like our personhood is depending upon other people wanting us, and so it, it makes sense about how people are unpersonified, or you know they're not persons if they're not wanted. Um, and that, you know, gets projected onto the homeless. It gets projected onto those in poverty, like all these different things. Yeah, the most vulnerable of us. Yeah, but it, it kind of, I guess, tossed in a personal story. One of the biggest moments in my life was, and actually the, the biggest regret I have in my life, and I'll say this publicly, um, was the way that I treated my brother growing up. But he turned out so well. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why, right? So, like, so when I was a kid... Um, I was four years old. My brother was born. I wanted a sister. Oh. I wanted a sister so bad, right? That when he was born in the hospital, they came out and said, "Oh, you have a baby brother." And I was like, "No, I don't. Put him back. I wanted a sister." <laughs> right? You and have so, made a mistake. So for years, for years, I resented my brother because I wanted a sister. <laughs> and I remember this very vividly. But one time we were arguing. We fought like cats and dogs, like till we were teenagers. And I remember this. So like he was like 10, 11 years old. And I was like 14 or 15 and we were fighting about something and he yelled at me. He yelled at me. He said, you're the worst brother I could ever have. And I shouted back. That's you're the okay. worst sister I've ever had. No, no. I shouted back. That's okay. I never even wanted a brother. You've been holding and, on to that for like a decade. And the hurt on his face that I can still see and so the biggest reconciliation moment we had was a couple years later, you know, after we both had a pretty serious conversion. And I remember, like, we sat down, we were at the same, we were at a retreat center at the same time, a different retreat. And I remember that moment coming up when I was, you know, doing some reconciliation. And I was like, wow, like, all the angst and stuff that my brothers had growing up is my fault. Because the way that I treated him, like I didn't want him around. And so all of his acting out, all of his like trying to get attention from me was because I didn't want him. Wow. And so like our reconciliation moment where I sat down and asked him like, Hey, do you forgive me for the ways that I treated you and the ways that I didn't treat you well? Um, and it was that moment that everything changed and we became best friends. Yes. When I realized that I actually wanted my brother around life was totally different. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so crazy because as long mean... as I've known you guys, y'all have, yeah, you know, <laughs> y'all been brothers, been and, close, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and and it's interesting that that 
our value is not determined by how other people treat us, but our our own vision of ourselves. You know, like can be, our, our can be shaped by those the way that people yeah. treat us. You know, and yeah. and so there we have to acknowledge that and create that distinction between value and self worth, I guess. Or like that we we should value people but just because someone doesn't value you doesn't mean that you're not valuable is that what you're yeah, saying basically. that i that i put well, so succinctly well, yeah that you have inherent value right. well yeah one thing i would toss in there is that even if we don't receive value from person to person from our peers or our family or whatever our intrinsic value as you said it comes from god wanting us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's we are. right god Right. We belong to God. We are the beloved, right? God loves us regardless of others. Um, and so our value as a person, first and foremost, and above all else, comes from him. The Imago Dei. Yeah. We are created in the image of God. And that's that's a pretty good thing. Yeah. And uh, Co- uh, Colby, I think you're in pretty good company. Um, you're probably destined for greatness with this uh, fraternal strife because, I mean, look at salvation history, right? Mm-hmm. Cain and Abel, <laughs> Isaac mm-hmm. and Ishmael, uh, Joseph and his brothers, yeah, Northern and Southern Kingdom. Jump them into a pit or kill them. Or sell them into slavery. <laughs> or, slavery. Right. or steal his inheritance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yet. 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 <laughs> <laughs> There was that really nice coat I'd... he had. <laughs> yeah, my dad's not blonde, and I don't have sheepskin, so we'll be okay. <laughs> nice. So one thing that we have not done yet, even though we've done it without doing it, is um, uh, Cody. How do you um, say that segment that we do? What you reading? Gosh, I, we, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> should we just should we just make a recording and put it on a button that way we could just do yeah. it? Yeah. Like in his most just... high pitched possible. <laughs> yes. We'll have to get someone with a soundboard. That way we have all this stuff already <laughs> right. pre programmed. <laughs> yeah, somebody hired tech. But uh, so, what are y'all reading? I've Not been much, reading huh? a particularly <laughs> a particularly wonderful um, interpretation of Goodnight Moon <laughs> nightly. Oh. <laughs> Several times. I'm on my forty fifth reading of it actually. <laughs> <laughs> and a little old lady saying Hush. <laughs> Whenever Ashton set tells me to hush, I say, and a little old lady saying I'm hush. sure she loves that. I just think of a bowl of mush. I know. <laughs> well, I do too. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times. I'm sorry. Yeah. So y'all were saying. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go real quick. I'm reading. Uh, I, I just finished the Thanos Gauntlet series, uh, the Infinity Stone series, which was a, a very interesting read. Uh, the uh, the twist at the end is uh, really really neat. I don't want to give any spoilers, um, but I kind of hope they take the same approach in the new movie uh in which game. almost guarantees that they're not going to i know i know i know but it's very it's, you're it's like pretty dang cool. it they already but, did this but i will tell you <laughs> per our conversation two episodes ago about wolverine making an appearance in yeah. the comic series mm-hmm. wolverine is there um and he mm-hmm. is like one of the only one like i think the only one that that gets an attack in on thanos um, but unfortunately, Thanos then just removes his animantium skeleton. Uh, 
So, because oh, <laughs> that well, that was not fun going on. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I finished reading that. It was it was it was interesting, very very exciting read. Uh, and I'm working on uh, Walking Dead Volume Twenty Eight, uh, and then I'm, I'm working 27. on Space Salvi. <laughs> Uh, the oh, encyclical, wow. encyclical. I know, right? <laughs> Walking Dead, yeah. and uh, that's that's uh, the one on hope, hope right? Yeah, hope, hope and salvation, mm-hmm. I which think. is kind of funny in light of Walking Dead. I know that's what I was. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was commenting. It's hope. it's pretty funny. Uh, and then uh, I started on Fides et Ratio and uh, Confessions by Augustine. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. I don't think you read enough. I know, right? <laughs> I well, the problem that I'm the reason I'm doing this is because I didn't read enough, and now I'm like mm, feeling playing yeah, catch up. playing catch up. Uh, and also, I'm doing this thing called Exodus ninety. I don't know if you guys have oh, heard yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Scotts. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I did it. I did it last yeah. year. It's it's pretty awesome. I so avoided far. it this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. What's funny because like we have our so the group of guys that I did it with, we still have a group text mm-hmm. going. And we'll share stuff back and forth. But, like, I mean, when you're in the group, we were talking every single day. Right. And uh, so, like, one of the guys proposed, like, in the group this year, like, hey, I want to do it again. Everybody was like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> 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 no, we're uh, I've got something else going on. One of the benefits is that it has called me back to trying to, like, wanting to read philosophy and theology more. So, that's... Yeah, Fides Eratios, that's, that's a great blend of of the two mm-hmm. um and it I, I feel like it's kind of like a lot of shakespeare you know yeah. you can read it many 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 times yeah i've, I've read it in seminary so like uh, like yes absolutely i've, I've already started i'm all already like mind blown like still kind of comprehending these things again the um my my book of the week is um it's called 40 Dreams of St. John Bosco. Are y'all familiar with St. John Bosco? Not entirely, but I mean, I know him. He's, I mean, he's basically a patron saint for, for all children, but, um, are y'all He was a magician, him? right? Oh, was he? Is he a patron saint of magicians? I think so. I have a friend of mine who's a magician. I don't want to say that's his patron. I think that's right, because he had this, you know, this way of keeping, of captivating children. Right, he would work with children like in the streets, like to get their attentions. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that part of the story. Um, so we've got, you know, not unlike the Allen brothers, um, we've got two boys kind of side by side in age, and they they can cause, you know, mass chaos. So, um, <laughs> so for our girls, we feel like St. Philomena has kind of adopted them, and for our boys, we feel like St. John Bosco's kind of adopted them. But St. John Bosco, he um, he had these very um, uh, formative dreams, very uh, vivid dreams uh, growing all through his life and some that he'd have repeatedly. And um, a lot of his dreams are uh, either straight up prophetic or just prescient. Um, so it's and but very can be very apocalyptic. So it's kind of like a Catholic comic book. Hmm. Okay. It's good good stuff. Okay. So I just finished one book today for the fourth time, I believe. Um The Big Short. Oh yeah. By Michael Lewis. Well I mentioned this to you at lunch last week. That's right. Um 
have a fi- like just fascination with um, unfettered financial market speculation. Uh, and so even though I've read that book several times, like it just, I don't know, it captivates me every second time. But, um, and so, so Aaron, my... Aaron Sorkin didn't write the book. He just did the dialogue for the movie, right? I mean, he wrote yeah. the screenplay. Right, right. Wow. Um, and I will say, actually, the, the movie, the screenplay, is fairly decent with the book. Um, some of the names are changed because some of the, the characters or the people in the story didn't want to actually be identified. Um, but for the most part, the, the overarching theme of it is pretty well done. Um, so anyways, just finished that one. Uh, and then I just got a copy recently of Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary by oh, Dr. Yeah. Brant Petrie. I've heard good things about that man. Me too. <laughs> He's got these uh, really cool on the podcast. <laughs> I've uh I've not read it yet, but I've got it. Word. Um probably we'll start reading it this week though. So I guess our next episode I'll be uh that's my what you're reading. Oh yeah. good. We we just acquired yeah. what books did we well we just got last weekend we went to see Garden the Musical mm-hmm. and got oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. we're given the little garden book along with our, yeah. our tickets. We have that book. Like, basically, we've just been given a bunch of books that we have not started reading. <laughs> um, and then we heard Scott Hahn this past Saturday at Tulane. Oh, I forgot that. Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. Friday. <laughs> um, at my alma mater, Tulane. Um, I didn't know you went to Tulane. I did. I, for undergrad. She wow. graduated from yeah. Tulane. Yeah. Uh, even better than going there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they were giving out a book of his called, um, what is it called? It's a great question. Something, something, Our Father, <laughs> about understanding the the petitions of the Our Father, um, oh, in light of the Father, oh. and we got a wonderful photo. I was going to say a father who keeps his promises. No, no, not that. No, no. Um, and we got a wonderful photo with the back of Scott Hahn's head, um, because there Excellent. were there were two hundred people waiting in line to see him. So we just we just mm. worked with what we got. Um, so yeah, so we've we've had this sudden influx of of Catholic books being thrown at so us. So that is it. That brings up understanding a, our father. Yes, yes, that's it. Which it's interesting. Oh, that makes sense because it's not understanding <laughs> the our father, even though I think it does talk. About, I just thought it was interesting that it, it's. I, I, he said it's specifically about the prayer of the our father, but that it's. Hmm. I think from what he said, like understanding God as our father from the petitions mm-hmm. within the our father, which I thought was interesting. That that brings up a good point because Scott Hahn spoke at the Men of the Immaculata. Uh, Catholic Men's Conference last That's year, right? And and uh, we're, so we're getting close to the Men's Conference. I'm busy right now, kind of. Uh, I'm not gonna say revising because that would be uh, shameful, uh, but I'm <laughs> updating the language a bit of uh, Thomas Akempis as quoted in Saint Louis de Montfort's uh, Marian Consecrations, just to make it a little easier for the men to read. Um, because we're going to do a Marian consecration this year, uh, but our guest, uh, our guest, uh, Father Donald Calloway, who I mentioned last podcast, uh, I listened to a great podcast that he did. Uh, I listened to it this past week. He did uh, an interview. I think it's from this past week with Doctor Taylor Marshall, who's hmm. also an Aggie. <laughs> <laughs> you were. <laughs> wait, wait, clap right there so we can cut that out. <laughs> Now nobody's going to understand our references to clapping. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was uh, about the rosary, uh, because Dr. 
or Father Calloway's written these books, Champions of the Rosary. Um, but a couple cool things that I learned from that podcast, the reason that religious uh, will wear the rosary on their left side do y'all know the reason for this? Y'all, like this sword. may be common you're knowledge. You're supposed to grab it with your right hand. Yeah, it's a sword on your hilt. Yeah. Whereas all this time, yes. I thought it was personal preference which side you wore it on. <laughs> Did not know <laughs> that there was a standard. Well, that's that's also the idea of uh, when you're you're escorting someone, like arm in arm, the man's supposed to have his right arm free, so he's supposed to escort with the left hand so that he could grab the sword to defend if necessary. Oh, I thought that was based on which side of the street you're on and where the chamber pots are being We're talking about a different mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that too that I was going to say the different time yeah, before different vehicles times. but no yeah. then you took it a chamber step pots. further wait, wait, wait. Nice. wait the different aspects of truth and how they pertain to the yeah. circumstance oh oh boy you, that just determines which side of the street you walk on like left side of the street or right side of the street so that you have both access this... to your sword and blocking the chamber pot Splash. This is like you could block the chamber pot with your sword. Yes, this is, this is breaking my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone the, else is as well. <laughs> the other cool thing I learned uh, from Father Callaway was they uh, talked about Bartolo Longo, uh, Blessed Bartolo Longo. Have y'all ever heard of him? No, no. Another one of our awesome Italian um, saints slash blesseds, but he. Uh, he did not begin awesome. Uh, he was actually an ordained priest, uh, Satanist priest. Oh. And the rosary uh, led him out of that some kind of way. I don't remember the story, but um, he felt called to uh, Pompeii. This was, I think, the end of the 19th century. So archaeological expeditions into you know uh the aftermath of vesuvius's eruption had not begun yet um so he was there was nothing in pompeii and he decided to build this massive cathedral um uh in the ruins of pompeii or atop the ruins of pompeii and uh as a cathedral to the rosary and one of the cool things about it he when he finished, he just gave it to the Pope. I think it was uh, Pope Leo at the time. I can't remember if it was the 10th or 13th. But who wrote like 12 or 13 encyclicals on the rosary. So he, oh. this Pope was um, huge on the rosary. Gladly accepted this cathedral. And this cathedral is its own diocese. Oh um, my God. It has its own, it has its own bishop. Uh, and Father Callaway, who's been... You know, who leads pilgrimages everywhere. He's leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land uh, later this year with Jim Caviezel. Um, he said it was the prettiest, most impressive church he's ever been in. That's a big statement. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So, another reason to go to Pompeii. <laughs> and I already had such a long list. <laughs> yeah. see there's the volcano the and... mummy type people thing <laughs> it's not quite mummies yeah exactly. i guess that begs the question was the volcano a movement of nature to cure overpopulation Boom. well obviously oh man <laughs> that was just vulcan or a faceless you know depending on your bent getting angry yeah. Right, right. 
So I think that is we are nearing Wait, the time. I had, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I had something I wanted to add about <laughs> Thanos that I I forgot to, or not about Thanos, but about Infinity War, if I could. Um, Definitely. Just real quick, that uh, one of my favorite quotes from Infinity War is when Vision um, offers for the, the basically suggests that the quickest way to defeat Thanos is to destroy one of the Infinity Stones, namely the one that kind of gives him his existence and um captain america says no we don't trade in lives and um we don't do on trading i'm pretty sure it's we don't trade in lives okay pretty sure pretty sure we can argue about it later okay um but uh (laughs) marriage that's what um, it's about baby uh basically that uh that I thought it was really kind of pertinent, particularly like to embryonic stem cell research. You know, the idea that mm, yeah. that we do not take one human and sacrifice them for for another human being, especially one that, in the case of embryonic stem cell research, that is not even volunteering to do this. You know, versus Vision actually was volunteering, right? Um, and of course, we cannot do good by doing evil, right? Exactly, exactly. And of course, not even getting into the whole thing of like that adult stem cells have been more effective and you know yada 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 um but what was interesting i thought was i was i was looking for that quote um and what i found was a bunch of memes of people saying like captain america says this but then has no problem going to battle with all these wakandans and sacrificing all of their lives and stuff and trying to turn it into this thing as though captain america is somehow inconsistent in that way and um, mm-hmm. what struck me was how that's something that with through kind of that philosophical background that we were talking about that like that as Catholics we have is that we recognize that just because the ends are the same doesn't mean that the means are equal. And the mm-hmm. idea that so many people honestly don't see the difference between them, which, of course, they do end up attempting to kill or they don't. But but Scarlet Witch does does end up trying to kill vision but that there is a distinct intrinsic difference in sacrificing a person (laughs) in killing them to try to save other people um intentionally killing them willfully killing them versus going to war with people and fighting to try to save (laughs) to try to save every you you get what i'm saying like and this is clearly this is legitimate defense right because bad dudes has you know, stated his intentions so, very clearly. Yeah, and they're attacking your home country. And, I mean, these aren't just some other sovereign nation, right, that's trying to get land. These are, I don't, what are those crazy-looking things in Black Panther? They're like, you know, hell beasts or something like yeah. that. Right. <laughs> they look like things out of the Hunger Games. Right. Well, and when, oh, yeah. and when you say he's attacking their home country, by home country we mean the universe because he's attacking, yeah. like, yeah. everyone. And specifically Wakanda. Right, yeah. right. Right. But he, I mean, he's attacking everyone. And just just I was just kind of blown away by the fact that people honestly thought that pe- people honestly think that Captain America is somehow wrong in saying we don't trade in lives because then he's willing to go fight with other people, even though some of them will lose their lives. You know, well, it's a name like Captain America. Of course, he's going to be wrong. Right. All the time. Right, right. Every day. All well, day, yeah. every day. Middle middle aged cisgendered white man. I mean, you can't say anything right. Yeah, facial hair. Um, why, so I found the script. why didn't we kill Captain America? That would have <laughs> solved everything. <laughs> found the script. We don't trade lives. We don't trade That's what lives. he says. Oh, okay, I'm wrong. 
so surprised. That's... I'm just kidding. Well, you were wrong, too. <laughs> I'm closer. You were closer. Closer. Married life. It's all Married about who's life. closer. Bliss. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay, have we squeezed all the juice out of Thanos? <laughs> Probably not. There's so much. No, there. we're talking here's... about him next week. That's how. Well, I guess here's well, here's another one. Here's another one. So I found an article that actually talked about what you're talking about, but. Uh, one of the questions I guess we can kind of end with just on a cliffhanger. So we talk about overpopulation getting to a certain point, you know, like what is the actual, I guess, equilibrium where things are just kind of smooth and, and on, on coasting. Uh, Cause one of the paragraphs from this article says, of course, life being what it is, it would eventually overpopulate again. And Thanos would have to do this thing again. Yeah. But if he's willing to cull every few centuries, he would theoretically achieve gargantuan boost and net welfare and you know fullness over time he would be hated but he would have produced more net utility than any being in history what he would be god so basically he oh, that's just a whole chain of bad things right right so that's what i'm saying it's like it's a perpetual cycle that you know you you do this snap once but that doesn't stop population from growing again and so like you know who then is going to step up and do this this act that needs to be done so like what end if we talk about you know if we talk about abortion we talk about euthanasia like even if those quote-unquote have good ends that are intended that people may think is twisted when does it actually stop right, mm-hmm. right. and i i love when a villain like is primary mover of the character is a is a is a, a, a philosophy um and or specifically a heresy Right. I think that is there is so much richness to be, um, you know, dark riches to be uh, plundered, uh, making villains out of these terrible philosophies as opposed to, uh, you know, he uh, his family was killed and um, had a bad experience in Nam and now he's the Punisher. (laughs) It's kind of interesting to think about that, like within the the marvel universe i feel like the the greatest villains are the ones that do have some sort of very very uh deeply held philosophy and the heroes too have have a philosophy they kind of cling to and that the like i'm kind of thinking iron man out of all of them he may be the he may be the one that's the most sort of lacking in a philosophy or i don't know him and spider-man maybe and um that isn't that we're kind of just a teenager yeah it's true um i I love iron man like i'm not trying to diss iron man but that like to an extent like a lot of the problems that they run into as a whole perhaps kind of stem from the fact that a lot of times iron man's kind of flying by the seat of his pants as far as what he's fighting for to an extent you know like so basically just that that the greatest heroes kind of come from having like a well thought out deeply held set of beliefs yeah you know and I, and, and when, sticking with yeah. them well i guess to that kind of points at one of the theories where you know thanos and iron man are not equals but you know when he tells him you know you're not the only one cursed with knowledge you know you talk about iron man flying by the seat of his pants but i think one of the reasons he actually does fight and one of the reasons he is involved is because he does feel responsible with all the stuff that he yeah, knows yeah. well i mean and if he doesn't he, do he it who else will yeah right if you watch the first iron man movie like you can really capture like what iron man's essence is 
uh, like why he does what he does, and it's because of that interaction mm-hmm. he had with that soldier in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. I forget exactly what the line was, um, uh, but but basically he saw that it was his missiles that caused this, mm-hmm. and so oh, like mm-hmm. that's what like he was he was building a relationship with this guy. They were having a great time, and all of a sudden his missiles destroyed everything, right? And so he kind of turned his life around at that point, uh, felt feeling that responsibility. I think it would be cool to draw parallels between the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, prudence, understanding, fortitude, fear of the Lord, wisdom, counsel, knowledge, uh, and the Avengers, <laughs> right? We talked about maybe Iron Man, um, knowledge, uh, fortitude, Captain America, you know, uh, counsel for the vision, you know, I mean, I feel like wisdom would also be a really like Captain America, like out of all of them, he, or I guess also vision, you know, yeah. he has vision. He does. <laughs> he does. But, uh, then would fear the Lord be Hulk. and and just to be clear i wasn't saying iron man doesn't have any philosophy obviously he does Oh, clearly you hate him i hate him him so much (laughs) obviously he does he has a philosophy of pursuing what is good and of saving lives you know but just that it's almost kind of like i don't know like like iron man is kind of like someone like an old testament father or something like like really this tremendous desire for good but still not quite in full possession of of all the information you know and whereas like yeah. whereas captain america is like like but i but like really we know what we need you know like he more knows what's up <laughs> right. you know yeah and the, the the question would have to be asked like where do we go with the avengers like did we go back to the beginning uh did we mm-hmm. pull to the end like what Avengers set are we talking about? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is in flux constantly. That is yeah, like yeah. the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. Like the nerdiest <laughs> dilemma. I've ever oh, heard. <laughs> well, join us next week when we will uh, attempt try to, to for the lively be debate. even nerdier, <laughs> and you know, reciprocate so you can also become nerdier. Uh, we hey, have an man. upcoming. <laughs> we have uh, one of our first uh, guests is coming up. Uh, that might be the next podcast or the one after that. His name's Zach Mabry, who y'all might remember as Porky from the Little Rascals. He's a Catholic convert, and uh, he'll be joining us soon to talk about quality Catholic nerdery. So thank you for uh, nerding out with us, the Catholic nerds. We hope your <laughs> nerd power levels have increased. Please do subscribe to this podcast and share with all your friends, Over Catholic 9, or not. Over 9,000. Sorry. Over 9,000. <laughs> Power level. Fade to and black. And <laughs>
Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your only source for quality Catholic nerdery. Mm -hmm. This is True. this is Scott <laughs> and Colby and Mary and Cody. Have we cool researched? conversation? So we're we... done. Have we researched that <laughs> we're right? the only? <laughs> well, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know for a fact that we're the only ones that make this claim to fame? Colby told me to say that, so I'm relying on his. Uh, yeah, research. and I mean, a a a historical figure once said, "If you say something long enough and loud enough, eventually people will believe yes. it." Isn't that Michael Scott? Yeah, and if okay. you, mm. yes, sure. <laughs> if you hear it on a podcast, it must mm. be true. You know. Right. That reminds me of the uh, is that Winston Churchill quote, or maybe it's Voltaire. Who knows? Um, that uh, <laughs> the, a lot <laughs> clearly your only source for these things. Um, that the the a lie can go completely around the world while the truth is still putting its pants on. Oh wow! Hey, that that kind of reminds me of um, I don't. We may actually have different takes on this, but that Covington Catholic boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, from the March yeah. for Life, and you know. I read a little yeah. bit about that, but yeah, I saw another yeah. thing today about the uh, the Native American gentleman that was in the quote unquote confrontation. Did you you saw the thing where he was like in, in, interrupting a mass at the Nath National Cathedral or something like that? No, I did not yeah. see that. I saw supposedly his military background was in question that. Uh, news reporters are making false statements about his military history, and he never corrected them or refuted them. Um, supposedly, he was a Vietnam vet, and he never actually served. Uh, things like that. I think he he was in the military, but he was never deployed. I think is what they said. Right, right, um, right. So yeah. So is, is that where you is that the term when you get swift boated? I don't know. Like the John Kerry swift boating. I hmm. don't really know. I shouldn't probably. I probably shouldn't use words. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how about back to our only being the only podcast so how about we just we keep with the rule that until the president declares us fake news <laughs> we're it hey i was really proud um of the fake news people uh jake tapper came out and said that the covington catholic thing was just wildly misreported yeah. well of course that so so the lawyer of the boys apparently served like literally everyone who had every public figure who had tweeted anything or done anything and said retract within 48 hours or consider yourself served and the retractions just started pouring mm -hmm. <laughs> pouring out awesome yeah. that's exactly what i would have done yeah I, I did see an article though i didn't read it though but supposedly there was a bishop wrote an article that you know wearing a make america great again hat or a president trump hat was not pro-life and so, so the students, you know, their embodiment of being at the the March for Life, yet supporting the president was contradictory. Yeah, I mean, I well, they probably go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you you go. I for it. personally thought it was really imprudent that the chaperones were letting them wear the hats because they're so politically charged, you know, at at that event. But but that then the the whole situation was completely manipulated to to serve and you know that that beyond that there really was you know obviously the situation was completely misrepresented and manipulated mm -hmm. and stuff and and that at the same time i think you're right that it's ridiculous to say that if they're wearing the hats then they're not pro-life or, or something like that right 
Do you well, think and, that, that they're all wearing that hat like, you know, all the different groups do to kind of distinguish, uh, you know, stay distinguish, yeah, distinguish, stay together. They just I don't know. Not nothing. Just like course, the, the BR white hats. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of a, their own little twist on it. Not particularly warm twist on it. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I haven't heard much about that, you know. Um. Um, well, this doesn't help the argument, but I do know, you know, there's a subset of quote unquote guys who are interested in the, the frat life um, because President Trump is very popular with fraternities. Really? Oh, yes. Um, and so anytime you see frat parties or anything like, you know, the, the media centralized uh, fraternity attention, um, they very supportive of President Trump. And so you see high school age guys who are, you know, interested in that type of life. Uh, you know, they're, they aspire to be like that. Gotcha. Um, hmm. So it does not surprise me that a, a parochial, you know, school and a bunch of guys who yeah. eventually will be in college and probably in that scene, mm-hmm. you know, are trying to aspire to that already. That's interesting. Yeah. And we probably should say for the record that had these boys been harassing an elderly Native American gentleman, that that would be deplorable, obviously, you know. Surely. That, oh, that yes. Were... They'd Wait, be one of the best. They they'd be the in. Hats. I mean, fashion They'd choices, be in the... people. Come on. <laughs> They'd be in the basket of deployed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. And also how unfortunate it is we talk about, you know, the March for Life never gets any no, real media coverage. Yes. But oh, they got no. this. Oh, yeah. So disappointing. Yes, absolutely. That was, I was so discouraged when the story broke because it was being, it was being so widely reported and already there were it was clear that it was kind of being twisted a bit but it was like even if it's not and it's deplorable if, if it wasn't it would be deplorable but that they completely refrain from reporting on the march and then report on one little group's per- potentially bad behavior whereas at the women's march you know there's tons of people <laughs> behaving very badly yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that doesn't get reported on at all you know except for that uh except for that satanist group over there they they're very well behaved yeah Completely. <laughs> Satanists are always the best behaved people in the sure. at the yeah. party. Good That's Lord. what I've heard. <sighs> so speaking of abortion, um, to parlay this into a, a comics conversation, yeah. which you know we can't really offend that many people talking about comics. We've <laughs> um, already offended enough people. So. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Let's do this. Because of how you talk about those comics. Stu, we're not exactly talking about the, you know, peanuts and our gang here. We're talking, uh, Cody was going to talk about, um, Thanos some more. We've kind of talked about lady or mistress death, lady death before in previous podcasts. But on the topic of abortion, there's some relevance to the Thanos myth arc. Right. And and so we're going to actually kind of pull out of the comics a little bit um, because Thanos in the comics, his main goal for obtaining the Infinity Stones is so that he can um, be Mistress Death's equal instead of her slave uh, and be with her forever, right? That's his, his whole purpose of gaining the Infinity Stones and wiping out half the universe it's a love story okay it's a love story it really is <laughs> classic valentine's day in the line of love Ju- story romeo and juliet <laughs> yeah very shakespearean exactly. and and so but we're going to move away from the comics and into the marvel cinematic universe the mcu um because that's really where thanos's philosophical ideas come out 
uh, of, of this, this myth of overpopulation. Now, regardless of what you think about overpopulation, uh, it is a myth because we, we, we know that uh, people tend to populate towards the cities and that means that they become overcrowded and stuff. But there is still plenty of room, not just for people to live, but for people to cultivate the land. So anyways, um, What's talking the... about Thanos in particular, his quote, um, he, he's, he's explaining to Gamora in, in Infinity War like why he's doing what he's doing. He says, little one, it's, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite. Its resources, finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correcting. So this is basically a statement of Malthusian economics, Correct. right? Malthus, right? That um, population uh, increases exponentially, whereas resources increase only arithmetically. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's it's just interesting that this this whole concept, right? of overpopulation, which in the pro-life movement is something that we've heard constantly. There's too many people. There's too many people. There's too many people. When What's the statistic that the entire population of the world could fit in the state of Texas? Of the with, world. Yeah. With, the density, <laughs> with the density, I think, of the city of New York. So it's not like, it's yeah. not like we'd all be... I don't know, stand, standing, <laughs> standing like shoulder to shoulder in the state of Texas, but like living in a Texas-sized right. city of New York. Um, and I think, well, I've seen demographic maps that says like 80% of the population within the U.S. lives within 60 miles of the mm -hmm. coast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you look at a heat map, it's literally like, you know, this huge highlighter going around the, the coasts of the country. Um, and then it's kind of very sparse in between except for the big cities. Yep. So, yeah. Which isn't to say like that there aren't resource distribution problems, but Correct. we know right, right. that the biggest enemy of resource distribution is political instability and, and war and things like that. That's really the main thing that robs people of the ability to have access to to what they need, you know, throughout the world. I was looking, I was looking at a chart just uh, the other day and I can't. I don't have the source for it, but basically they charted population growth since 1900. Uh, I think it was basically 1 billion to 6 billion, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, charted alongside it, uh, the numbers of those in extreme poverty, and they um, diverged uh, as, as population growth increased, as expected exponentially, the... Uh, the rate or the amount of extreme poverty it was actually decreased. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Which I mean, you can you can say, well, it's the Green Revolution. Um, which, if we mention Green Revolution, we have to give a plug for those fighting Texas Aggies and Professor Norman Borlaug, <laughs> Nobel find laureate. A way to bring them in, don't you? <laughs> you can Aggies. They are the crux. Uh, well, you and, mean well, you I mean, mean green is in like inexperienced and oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You mean inexperienced at saving the world? <laughs> I'm sorry. Boy, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> So yeah, since you mentioned it, <laughs> the oh. uh, Green Revolution. Um, uh, so Borlaug basically found a way to grow dwarf wheat. He made, I think, is a hybrid of dwarf wheat and you know taller wheat. So he increased the production of wheat several times, fold, several folds, 
so that you're able to produce have greater production um, with the same amount of arable land. Right. Which kind of shows... Well, I'm sorry, Colby, you go ahead. Gig You've tried, like... <laughs> oh, so that was actually a point to what you said, Scott, about, you know, the, the population increasing. However, the the density of um, poverty has also decreased. So the advances of technology and um, basically the economies of scale is... Mm-hmm. It, they go hand in hand. So, like, I mean, you study any free market economist, they'll say, like, you know, capital follows opportunity. And so, you know, back in the day, people, and even today, people talk about the evils of colonialism. Um, you know, that problem in and of itself is still today here, but it's very different in that, uh, you know, capital or resources goes to where there is a return. However, it, it always has, you know, some type of purpose to give value to the consumer. Um, so all these countries, even it's not just, you know, deploy charity, um, but one of the biggest movements right now within the financial space is called impact investing. Have you ever heard of it? No. So is that it's like microloans or? Microloans, yeah, it's kind of like microfinance, what they call it. But it's impact investing where, you know, capital or, you know, people who have money to spare try to invest in places that uh, have some type of charitable end. Um, so kind of like, I think we even talked about one time, like you talk about shoes being made in Africa and being, sh- you know, shipped and sold around the world, Right. So it's giving resource and giving opportunity to people who did not have it before, you know, as a way to give them means of living, but also, you know, to return, um, you know, economic opportunity to other places. Also, Kind of like partly from the perspective of it almost being like an untapped market, but like an untapped labor market. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, capital is being deployed there because nobody else is there. And so it's it's quote unquote an exploitation because there's no one else there. There's no real competition. However, it still does bring value to the communities that they're right. going to. And kind of that idea that like human beings are our greatest resource, you know, like that, that the more mm-hmm. humans we yeah. have, like kind right. of with, with what Scott was talking about too, like the ingenuity of, of humans, you know, the more humans we have, right. the no. more people are tackling problems and working and, you know. Which is, is kind of a contradictory point to what we have in the States because we have people, we have a population, but we also have very advanced technology. Um, and so the more we become dependent upon technology, the less we become dependent on other mm-hmm. people, Yeah. which is, you know, it's got some negative aspects to it. And the more we separate ourselves from other people with, um, with using technology as our interface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, what have we done? <laughs> well, and also like someone was talking to me the other day, uh, my friend Jenna about, how like we've fallen into this idea, not that we shouldn't find fulfillment in our work, but but that in the 20th century, kind of late 20th century, we got this idea that what we do for a living has has to be like the optimal, fulfilling, emotionally, right. you know, on every level <laughs> thing, like your dream, basically, versus a way to support your family and a way to live and a, a way to fulfill your vocation as a human, you know, Um and that sometimes there should be a daily drudgery, right? You know, so <laughs> you know, a father, mother, whoever supporting their family. That this is from the Garden of Eden. This is how we. Um, this is how we come to know love again by the sweat of our brow, and uh, Pope Francis would say the daily martyrdom of the father. Right. Which you know, if you if you take it as you're sacrificing for your family, um, and uh, and for 
in service to God, then it's it's no longer drudgery, right. unfortunately. So that suffering, go, you know, it turns it turns that suffering into joy. The yoke is easy and light. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Who else says that? I know, right? right? I think I've heard that Ooh. before. Well, and it also. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like Buddha does not offer that. <laughs> it's true. Well, and it also kind of ties into abortion because I feel like for a lot of people, the fear that maybe hits with a pregnancy is that sort of um, someone used the term with us FOMO fear of missing out um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really I don't know if that's a thing we had never heard of it before. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking the FOMUS I was thinking the FOMUS Picotti when you said that. <laughs> which I don't know it rises in a <laughs> <laughs> it's the bubbling up of sin it's uh, like the it's like almost onomatopoetic yeah <laughs> gotcha <laughs> but just just the fact that we've we've been so instilled in modernity with this idea of like living living your best life and following your dreams and yeah. and and to be clear we're not saying that people should live lives of of emptiness and drudgery like to to have healthy healthy goals and stuff but um but that i think that's part of what drives some people to have an abortion is this idea this sort of mistaken idea that like oh gosh my life will be ruined and it'll be mm-hmm. i won't get to live out that fulfillment and that that beautiful life that i had envisioned for myself that probably ain't going to happen the way you thought it was anyway, <laughs> you know? Right. It's like when I was in school, so I studied risk management, right? So risk management is all about weighing, you know, the, the risk versus the reward. And I'm not exaggerating. My professor in class one time used the analogy. He's like, yep. He's like, we now go party this weekend. You know, 50 cents in the, in the vending machine is, is much better than 180 grand, you know, once, uh, you know, nine months later when that kid comes. Oh my gosh. But people think about you know economic terms like yeah, cost benefit analysis cost benefit analysis having children yeah i mean it's a real thing if people aren't prepared for it but again that's the the divorce between you know the language of the body and what our bodies actually say versus what we want them to say right. isn't it interesting too that like if we're confronted with the cost of like our cell phone and internet and all these different things, which to an extent have become sort of necessities in the modern like professional world. But if we're confronted with those costs, it's like, well, no, I have to, I have to just make it work kind of thing. Right. Like I'll, I'll make right. it work. I'll, I'll do what I have to do to keep these things. But wait, this child is going to cost me money. Oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to swing that, you know? And is, isn't this such a statement of theology of the body, you know, in terms of, utilitarianism using people um loving objects right that we quantify a child in terms of how much more bedroom space is you know his material goods uh we're gonna need an extra phone line we're gonna need an extra car we have to pay for call you know all this this sum of material goods is that's the calculus that goes into a child right but that's not the point at all no yeah and and so the inverse of that, right? We talk about you know avoiding economic hardship. Um, I remember actually, so kind of tying back to our conversation of overpopulation, I did a partial study one time in school on the effects on the economy after Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like actually looking at population statistics as to like how much tax revenue has the government missed out mm-hmm. on from all these people that have been how many gone? Fewer people paying into Social Security, mm-hmm. right? How many, how many fewer business owners are out there? Like how many, you know, how has the economy been impacted with the change, you know, that we've had? Um, and nobody has that conversation. Well, it's, it's actually, 
not too long ago, like not too long before the um, New York abortion law thing uh, happened, there was an article going around about how the U.S. population is not uh, making exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're negative. We're in- entering negative population yeah. group. So like, it's just ironic, <laughs> you know. It's like, wow, the go figure. I've I've never thought before about the fact that Social Security was kind of set up like a pyramid scheme, and now mm. the it and is. now the pyramid has <laughs> kind of turned, turned into down. a column of sorts. You know, mm. like, um, or maybe not. Maybe I'm misspeaking. I, well. That's a different conversation, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I'm not trying to diss social, social security. security per se. I just no, 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 no. Everyone else. Well, I did like most of my senior projects. <laughs> I did my most of my senior projects on social security, so I definitely diss it with you. <laughs> um, but it's, it's yeah, it's definitely a different conversation. Word. I mean, social security is meant to be like a floor of protection, not your whole for people. Yeah. Right, right. Um, however, yes, it has become inverse. But one of the issues with social security is that because the government somewhat quote unquote foresaw that the you know, the, the needs for that would not be as great in the future. They started robbing from it and they started allocating capital to different places. So that's why there are huge shortfalls in social security. Um, do you mean that politicians just mess up everything for everybody? Else? <laughs> it's interesting. It really is. Like <laughs> yeah. kind of bringing it back and, to like the, uh, the uh, kind of, it's interesting. Like what we're talking good, about. Because I, because I'm a social security disability attorney, you know, mm-hmm. at times, and we need to get off this topic. <laughs> fast I'm trying to pull <laughs> us away from it. Yeah, pull, uh, pull me from the pulling edge. It, pulling it away, pulling it away. Uh, like with with Thanos, um, it's interesting how like a lot of people have this idea of overpopulation, and then Thanos brings it to its head and says, "Well, if we have overpopulation, then here is the solution, right?" But he's a villain. Right, yeah. like, like that they made that plot choice. They made basically. that plot choice exactly. Like the Marvel writers decided that hey, this is a good decision, and they could have easily gone with the 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 comic book version of it. They would have had to introduce one more character, but they could have gone with the comic book version. They didn't have to introduce this new philosophy, and yet they did. So it's just an interesting choice, in my opinion. Like that we see the villain as being this guy with this overpopulation idea uh, and wanting to fix overpopulation. Yeah, and then that kind of brings us to how do people propose fixing overpopulation? Well, one of the ways is Mm. abortion. Yeah. Controlling the population. Margaret Sanger, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, Margaret Sanger (laughs) also wanted to uh, control the... Purify. Exactly, (laughs) purify. Uh, to get rid of the Eugenics. undesirables, um, as as she called them, um, which I mean, really has become kind of a reflection on um, Darwinism mm-hmm. and survival of the fittest, right? Like natural selection. Well, she actually, uh, if you're Charles Darwin, actually, or she read Charles Darwin's book, and that's why she like promoted this idea. Like she was a proponent of Darwinism. Right. So you're saying that natural selection, abortive selection, is now going to favor big Catholic families. See. Mm. <laughs> full it begs, circle. It does beg the question, though, like if we talk about overpopulation, you know, who is the judge and jury as to who is part of that overpopulation, Which right? I thought that... Yeah. Who, who should not live any further? Which 
Like what population, what demographic, what countries, like how do they, how's that even Which chosen? Infinity Wars kind of highlights that too, I guess. The fact that it's like, it kind of has to almost be just across the board or else it's genocide. I mean, it's, it's a, still genocide. Yeah, a random snap of the finger. Yeah. Right. And that's what, it, that's what he said. It was like, no, no judgment, just like no discrimination, no discrimination and take anybody. Uh, but it, it's, and then kind of bringing that back to us, right? Having a conversation about. Uh, you know, overpopulation with people who are serious about overpopulation and saying that abortion helps control overpopulation. You can ask them the question, you know, well, if if the world is overpopulated, let's say that it is overpopulated, um, don't you think it would be uh, quicker and easier to maybe kill all the two-year-olds? Bringing or the idea to kill all the ninety-two-year-olds, uh, exactly. Bringing out this idea of. Mm-hmm. Of, of what's the difference between the two-year-old, the 92-year-old, and the unborn, right? What, mm-hmm. what, where can we lead that conversation? What is the difference? And trying to, uh, what they call trotting out the toddler uh, so that you can have a conversation about what is the unborn. Yeah, and y'all give that um, presentation, Pro-Life Encounters, and that, I've used that lots, that, that, um, isn't it a mnemonic trotting out the toddler? There, there so, are steps to trotting out the toddler. Like it's a, it's okay. a tot, uh, T O T T. Um, are you? Can you not remember? I can't remember it right I now. Know, Look at that. I know. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it was basically. Come back here, toddler. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get back. I thought it was. It's been a long time since I thought I've it, talked about but it. But like the the words that are coming to mind, I thought it was basically acknowledge the seriousness of the situation that they just yeah. presented, but then offer a situation with a toddler.